Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast for you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I'm your host, Colin Austin, and today's show is being brought to you by the GNV Commercial Advisors at Collier's Gainesville. If your business has ever bought land, sold property, or negotiated a lease, you know why it's important to have someone in your corner who knows the market and delivers results. That's why you see so many Collier's Gainesville signs all over town. The GNV Commercial Advisory Team of Collier's Gainesville has the most experienced commercial real estate team in the market, along with access to a global network of industry experts. With one call, you'll know why so many businesses trust them. Learn more by visiting them on the web at colliers.com slash Gainesville. I don't know if you've noticed already, James, like I'm like, I had a tendency to like look this direction. <laughs> you guys, I'm so excited because today we are recording out at San Falasco Tech City. Um, some really cool stuff going on. This is the first like on location podcast we've ever done. Uh, you know, we brought all the equipment, we got set up here. We're going to be interviewing uh, several people today and out, out here and then we'll release the episodes throughout the throughout the course of you know everything going on over the next few weeks so um you know here it is uh, what's going on out here? You guys, we have the Startup South event out here in San Flasco, Tech City, where Florida's leading founders, investors, executives, and media are gathering for an epic program of interviews, pitches, music, and great food. If you missed it this time, be sure to stay tuned for the next event um, by, you know, stay tuned just by checking it out at startupsouth.net. I'm pumped to be recording out here, so let me introduce you to one of our guests today who's going to be pitching later tonight. I'm super grateful that he took the time to get in the studio in the studio because I know what it's like to like have your mindset and be prepared for something so uh, you guys today on the show we have Eric Zika founder of Beach Base and he's also in the hospitality space with White Buffalo the range Oak a lot of those names that you recognize all over Gainesville this guy is involved with those so Eric welcome to the show man thank you very much for having me I appreciate it yeah so I'm super excited to have you to have you here thank you for just taking the time because I know like when you have your mind like prepared for something and you're getting ready to pitch tonight Mm-hmm. And then here I am. I'm like, hey, Eric, let's let's get in the podcast. Like, let's do this. Yeah, this was uh, very spontaneous. But uh, with my app Beach Base, uh, it affords you the opportunity to be spontaneous by going to the beach. So uh, I feel like I definitely had to do this for you. Cool, man. Let's uh, before we kind of talk about Beach Base, let's uh, talk. Let me just hear a little bit about your story. You know, like how did you become an entrepreneur? What was your first gig? You know, just uh, how did you get into Gainesville? Yeah, just kind of um, unfold it for me. I'm super interested. No problem. Um, I'm 38 years old. Uh, I went to the University of Florida, graduated in 2005. While I was uh, at the University of Florida, I dabbled with, I worked at a lot of bars, restaurants, um, nightclubs. I promoted for a lot of different uh, venues. I basically did everything in the hospitality sector while I was in school. Um, So I developed a passion for that pretty quickly. And then, uh, but while what I was learning in school, I was uh, I got a major uh, in broadcast journalism and production. So um, right after school, I moved to both New York City and then LA. Worked for a bunch of production companies out there. I had a little too much fun, to be honest, which uh, a lot of people do in LA. And uh, and I decided with the amount of money I was uh, making and with the amount of debt I was in that I would uh, come back to Gainesville and use my passion that I learned in the hospitality sector and try to really uh, learn about the food aspect in the restaurant business and open up some spots. 
Cool. So when you got back to Gainesville, was there something that kind of that pulled you here? You're like, oh, let me just go back to Gainesville. And, and it's just it's business. just a comfort zone. Um, you know, I, like, of course, I went to school here. I was here for four years and um, I had a big presence already in the town. I was able to make money really easily. Um, I know the market very well. So I just thought it'd be a good fit. Cool. Yeah. I uh, So you and I went to school at pretty close to the same time because mm-hmm. I was 2000, <laughs> 2000 to 2004. Uh, what year did you get back to Gainesville? 2007. Okay. So from 2005 when you left to 2007, had it changed much? I'm trying I'm trying to like throw, throw myself back because I remember, you know, back in 2004, I always tell people, man, like there was really no resources to like really start a business. I kind of had to figure it out on my own. Uh, Yeah, I mean, development-wise, it didn't really change much. Um, Like downtown, back when I was in school, was way bigger than the actual Midtown area. And, you know, through the years, and once uh, we opened 101 Cantina in uh, 2009, that kind of flipped the script and Midtown became more the popular destination for students. And then downtown kind of sort of, uh, sort of shifted over to the more uh, postgraduates, the older clientele. And that's kind of how I feel like it's been for the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Okay. So when you get into Gainesville, what was business number one that you guys got off the ground? Uh, we opened uh, 101 downtown, um, which was, it opened in 2007. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then when did these others kind of come along? Like, how did you, I guess I'm just kind of very, very curious how you get to the White Buffalo, the range. Oh, how do you get like, a, oh, yeah. how do you get like a series? Um, like what? what 101 you- downtown started off. Uh, it was very successful. It, it's in the Union. It was in the Union Street Station. Um, it's right on the edge. Right now there's a brewery there that took over for us uh, after we closed. Um, but, you know, we were right next to Marks and Dragonfly. It was a really good location, but kind of on the outskirts of Gainesville. But, you know, we had an international fusion of food, and then we switched to a lounge at night and had a really good nightlife there as well. And we had a really good run at it. Uh, we actually were open for about eight and a half years. Um, in the restaurant industry, I mean, things, you have to constantly, every three years, try to reinvent yourself and everything because things become stale. Um, so we had a good run at it. We learned a lot. Uh, and in, during that time, we actually opened a lot of other properties and we learned a valuable lesson in that too. We moved to Tallahassee, we moved to Boca, we opened uh, businesses in all those locations. But um, now I feel like by sticking to our core principles and core really strong concepts and through, trust me, I've made plenty of mistakes and the mistakes have only made me stronger in my experience over these past 15 years. And uh, and now we're just kind of sticking to what really works, stay ahead of the trends. And uh, and yeah, so we, I've, the failures have helped, you know, helped me along the way. And uh, 101 Cantina opened in 2009 and that was an extreme success. I mean, literally, uh, if anyone's listening to this podcast, you haven't heard it, then you're probably not from Gainesville. Even <laughs> even the newer students that are here now, even freshmen have heard about 101 oh, Cantina. Yeah. We used to go there all the time. We used to even have like the like startup <laughs> nights, all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah, it had those good tiki vibes in the back. Everyone yeah. just wanted to drink. It was, it was a good time. Uh, we had those giant parking lot events uh, that brought uh, amazing amounts of revenue. Um, and just at the end of the day, like, you know, they sold the land to big developers and now they are uh, a giant new mixed use retail business is going right there in that spot, which I can also announce at this point, like the old Swamp location, I am actually taking over and doing a new concept in that location right on University and 17th. Cool. So it's cool how everything comes full circle like that. 
that when you started going out to other like locations like Tallahassee and stuff, was mm-hmm. it just because you're seeing like an opportunity or somebody's like reaching out to you and saying, hey, we have this opportunity to come out here? Yeah, no, like, I mean, people would, to how that happened, to be honest, uh, people uh, were, they were at Cantina one night and he was a big time developer and uh, he was actually with Mark Cuban and stuff like that. It was, <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy story, but he ended up really liking us and uh, you know, you know, wanted us to come down to his office and see a project that he was working on. And so, you know, then we were being recruited per se and uh, we ended up taking like four properties in his space, which now we know like, that also is a red flag, which we would learn like, oh yeah, like let's open four businesses at once. That sounds great, la la la. But I mean, that that really could set you up for failure. Um, like I said, now, now we know that we wanna stick to our core principles, solid concepts, keep reinventing the wheel, always be ahead of the trend with your menus, with your drinks, and just just have solid marketing and, and service, of course, is extremely important. Constantly be training your staff, your servers, your bartenders, and uh, and right now with the pandemic, that changed everything. It changed yeah. so many things. Uh, staffing is a lot harder, so um, it's really important to do whatever you can to retain uh, the employees that you have, treat them fairly, treat them well, make sure they feel like, uh, you know, it's like a family and they're very comfortable being there. They feel safe. They enjoy it. Yeah. And then all that will do is that they'll be able to help recruit new staff for you by telling their friends. Yeah. Do you, do you get bored easily? Uh, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just ask cause like, I'm kind of the same way. Like I hear all these, you know, all these businesses and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, like I'm, I'm very much like that. I, I like, you know, I like to explore opportunities or somebody approaches with me, like approaches me with something. I'm like, ah, like, you know, it takes a lot for me to say no. I like, I want to jump on it and say yes. But I, I've been in a very similar mm-hmm. place. I feel like because, and really because of the pandemic, uh, especially with the scooter shop and stuff, I even looked at my own business, even though that was like, besides the podcast, like that was you know, that's my main gig, right? Yeah. Uh, but I've just been looking at it, I'm like, man, I've just been streamlining things, kind of getting back to, like you said, kind of getting back to the core mm-hmm. um, and just and just really focusing. You know, we kind of, we got rid of like higher brands like Vespa and Piaggio and, and you know, we, I, I don't know. I've just been in this mindset of like, how do I like streamline this? No, um, trust me. I mean, being in this industry, like I could never like be like some of these people who I respect dearly like that, but you know, I've had a, a pizza restaurant, for example, in New York City that has been open for 40, 50 years, like legacy type brands. Like mm. I get bored too quickly. Like, like I, that whole thing of after five years, you know, if the concept is not doing too hot anymore, like at the, if you still have an amazing location, whatever, there's not, there's nothing wrong at all with rebranding, changing the name, doing a whole new concept. You know, you just gotta believe in it. And always when you are able to have uh, something new like that, something fresh, it, you know, invigorates you a little bit, you know, brings back some more of that passion. Because when you're in this restaurant industry, the crazy stuff that happens on a daily basis, the stuff that happens that you would not expect, everything breaking nonstop, things like that, it does wear down on you a little bit, but you just gotta keep pushing. So new, fresh things, new ideas that all that helps you along the way. That's cool. You said, uh, you know, you're talking about some of the lessons uh, learned along the way. What would you say is the biggest? Like, what's been the biggest failure, the biggest thing that you learned from uh, that's really impacted your career? To me, it's it's all about uh, trusting trusting your staff uh, to do the right the right thing. You have to, you know, put them in the place to be able to succeed. But after after that, I've learned so many times. Like people will tell you that they'll do so many things, and they never do them. They never follow through. So. 
we're going to put you in the best position to succeed. And if you don't want to take the time to learn everything and do everything at the end of the day, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And like, and we want to take care of our staff as much as possible. But I mean, something I, I learned, it's like, it's saying, uh, hiring is guessing and firing is knowing. So our staff is the most important thing, but and throughout the whole interview process, people lie, people embellish things, people mm -hmm. make things up. They always want to try to, you know, put them up, put themselves up to be in a higher pedestal than they are sometimes and um, you, you learn that pretty quickly. So once you learn that, I feel like it's very important to just to just cut cut ties and then move forward with the people that uh, do really feel passionately about what you do. We know that we're in a college town here and uh, not everyone has goals to be in this industry. A lot of them are part-time jobs and things like that. But we have actually developed a lot of people uh, through the years that have want, have turned out you know, from even like a lower end position all the way to managers. And uh, it's very important to treat those people well, treat them fairly, um, compensate them compensate them well to ensure that they want to continue on staying. And then, like I said, stick to your, uh, to my previous point, stick to your core principles, figure out what you're best at, what your strongest suits at, and the things that you aren't strongest at, find someone, there's no shame in hiring someone that it can do something better than you. The smartest people always hire smarter people to take care of those uh, jobs for them. What are you the best at? Uh, concepts are my thing, man. Uh, I love the creative side. I love developing the concepts. I love seeing them through from start to finish. Um, I literally, I literally live for that, man. I, I love the creative side so much. Um, I like to be on point on trends and I like to even think ahead of what the next trend could be if something comes out or, or whatever it may be. And I like to kind of uh, create the trends if I can. And then, and trust me, there's been many times and many instances where stuff I've put out there has then been, you know, emulated and copied on, so. Any current trends that have you excited right now? Uh, I really love the crypto and NFT space, and I'm looking to uh, potentially involve that in some of my new future ventures, which uh, are on the horizon here. So uh, we'll, I look forward to that. What's your source of information? Like when you, if you're like, if you catch a trend like crypto and mm -hmm. NFTs, like where are you going first? Like, is there any entrepreneurs that you <sighs> like really follow or that you use as a vital source? To be of honest, information? I'm on Twitter like probably six hours a day. Really? Like, I'm like, if Twitter's I, your platform. Like if, if my mind is like, I don't know, like I'm instantly on Twitter. Like sometimes I'll, I'll catch myself. I'll be on it. I log off for freaking 10 seconds and then I'm like, Oh, and then I'm right back on it somehow. So like I follow a lot of, uh, uh, people that, uh, have an inspiration to me and I, I read all their threads and you know, it just helps me along the way. Um, I, then I, I do, I dig down, dig down a little deeper and do some more research on them and see what companies they're a part of, see if they've uh, written anything, any books, try to read those books, things like that. But the internet is the greatest resource and some people don't utilize it uh, the way they should. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me a little bit about this, this new venture, this, uh, you know, you're pitching tonight out here at Startup South. Use us as a way to practice your pitch, I guess. <laughs> you know, it was, so how long is the pitch? Is it it's a five minute type thing? Or? It's a five minute speed pitch. Uh, five minutes, to be honest, is, is not a long time once you're trying to explain the whole thing in its entirety. So you have to be able to uh, make some, you know, sacrifices, make some cuts here and there, and hopefully people will uh, still understand the idea. But our idea is pretty simple. Uh, it, it's called Beach Base. Um, the funny thing is, this is kind of the story behind it. I actually 
was uh, dreaming one night and I literally was thinking about this idea while I was sleeping in my dreams and I woke up, it was like 3.21 in the morning, I remember it exactly, looked at my phone and I started going right in my notes app and started literally writing the beginning of what turned to be a business plan that I focused on over the next week. And this was in the middle of the pandemic, I didn't have much going on, like the businesses were closed, so like, it was almost like- Do you remember was, the date or anything? Like when was it? It was in May. It was in May? It was in like late April, early May, something like- uh, I think 2020? It, of 2020. Okay. And, uh, and it just happened, my businesses were closed, and you know, I mean, my brain, I'm ADHD, I don't know if you could tell, but my brain <laughs> literally is constantly on fire, spinning and thinking. And uh, that could uh, I could use that to my advantage sometimes, and uh, and sure enough, uh, I kept forward with it. I literally wrote out an entire, probably about a four to five page uh, page business plan, and then I called Quan over here at Collective and Co. and we had a nice discussion. I came uh, I came here to meet with Aaron, and we talked about what it would take to develop this as an app because. I'm from South Florida, I lived by the beach, and it was always such a pain in the ass to be able to go to the beach, no matter what. If you didn't have a pickup truck, a van, an SUV, and all, when we're young and in high school, we don't have that stuff, you know, like, you know, we just have little rinky-dink cars, whatever it may be, and we go there just to have fun with our friends and just bring a towel or whatever. But I realized after going to the beach a few times, now in my, um, you know, now in my older age, the current vendors that are there, everything is just outdated, it's unsanitary, it's not, it's, they leave this, uh, leave everything stacked overnight. So I'm like, it'd be amazing if literally you could just wake up, it affords you the opportunity to be spontaneous, you pick a date, you pick a time, and then you can just get in your car and go and everything will be there waiting upon your arrival. Oh, so that's, that's it, that's and the that's, idea. And that's literally, so we have umbrellas, chairs, tables, towels, uh, water comes free with it. I mean, and then we have toys for the kids if you wanna order those packages. Sunscreen, chapstick, you name it. Anything, <laughs> that's a great idea, man. Any like single it. thing that you could uh, need at the beach. Watch the tapping uh, on the table, sorry. Sorry, anything you need uh, that could be at the beach, we definitely uh, are able to uh, bring that to you. And it's also a service platform. So being in the hospitality industry, we have a concierge team standing by. So they're there to greet you, uh, take care of you the whole time, you know, kind of watch you, like basically bringing the brick and mortar of what I've done to the beach yeah and uh, so like you can pre-order a bunch of different types of snacks or drinks and they'll all be there in your cooler waiting on you and if you run out of anything just like in a Disney chat or anything else you can log right onto the app talk to your concierge order it on the app and they'll bring it right over to you that's super cool. Mm -hmm. So, what are like what are the current limitations with it? I mean, are you already doing this in South Florida, uh, or is like it just I, kind of an idea stage still? No, right no, now, we're uh, we're definitely we're very close to V one uh, version of the app. We're like, I mean, in tech terms, we're past seed. Uh, we haven't raised the money yet on that uh, aspect, and that's why we're here and we're we've been starting the whole pitching uh, process. But uh, we've uh, invested uh, quite a bit of money into getting ready for beta. We have 30 setups right now uh, ready to go. We, we have a sprinter van that's being wrapped. So it's a mobile delivery service. So how everything works is all of our equipment is housed in an air-conditioned warehouse, like very in a good location, close to the beach. We have a, we have a fleet of vans, and they basically like how Amazon, the, the Sprinters or the Ford Transit 250s, high roof, same type of scenario. They uh, our our team will pack up the van with all the amount uh, with the amount of setups that are needed for that day. They'll go there at like six seven a.m. Set everything up. It'll be all very nice and organized. And anyone that books that day, they literally with uh, this awesome. G 
GPS technology, it can place you within three feet of your setup. And then the concierge team hmm. is right there to greet you and there'll be like a little number with the QR code and tags. So you'll know you're at the right spot and everything is there. So it just, you know, for families and with kids, if you have kids, trust me, forget about it. Like, I mean, the amount of, of with them screaming and everything to for you to be able to remember everything you need to oh, go dude, to the it's beach. A pain in the butt, it's, man. it's impossible. I and got then, two, I got two boys and they like to go yeah. to the beach and I'm like I don't want to haul this crap out to and the then, beach. And then to, <laughs> to your point exactly. And then like uh, finding finding parking is a nightmare. So you might have to end up parking uh, exactly. half a mile away, whatever. And then if you I actually haul that crap. if you have to haul everything to the beach, get it on the sand, and then to break it all down and carry it through the sand, and then your car will get destroyed by all the sand too. You know, I mean, it's just. It's it's not a it's not a fun experience. So that's what we're there for to kind of create a hassle-free beach experience for everyone. What do you foresee the challenges being in this business? Uh, the biggest challenges, um, I mean, the municipalities that we're uh, talking with in the Fort Lauderdale area, they love the idea. We've already pitched. I have lobbyists working on our behalf that are uh, you know that are that are trying to get everyone on board, and. Uh, and then just inventory. At the end of the day, it's very inventory and HR. It'll, it'll be very. It's an expensive thing to operate, but also since it is brick and mortar, brought over to the sand, it can make revenue on its own without even being needing like uh, other money. So, the money that we can get from various VC firms will definitely just help us to scale quickly. Like right. we could go from city to city to city, um, and and then the idea, the grandiose idea, and the plan is to help change the world in beaches all over and go internationally. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Have you thought through in terms of the pricing and what this would cost the customer? Yeah, uh, right now, um, I mean, when we first came up with the app and we priced everything out, right now it is set at fifteen dollars an hour per person. Um, so if you're there with, you know, a family of four, for example, um, you're going to be spending what, uh, $120 for two hours or whatever. And it's like 165, whatever it is for three hours. But trust me, if you don't have anything or you need to get coolers or whatever, all on the fly and you're going to Publix and grabbing all this stuff and everything you need to do <laughs> oh, yeah. and all the time. I mean, it, this might not be for everyone, but there is a market out there for this, for people. I mean, people's time is very valuable. Um, the hassle uh, is definitely a real thing. And to just, to, to create a real stress-free experience where you can just get in the car and go, we just thought it was a no-brainer. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, even even the vac vacationers, the people who just go to the beach, who oh. are like, you know, might be from the middle of the country somewhere, right? And they're like, they're coming down here, you, you're gonna have to go rent that stuff from somewhere else Anyways, anyway, and then you're correct. gonna have to drag and it. I mean, how, how much of a benefit would it be to not have to drag it to the beach and just, you know, have it there? 100, 100%. Uh, there's, there's so much opportunity with various partnerships with different hotels and Airbnbs that don't have the luxury of being directly on the sand. They don't have that direct beach access. So we can partner with them and provide a service that their customers can rely on. It's awesome. How much are you trying to raise to get this thing going? Uh, our first seed raise is uh, 1.5 million for 10%. And then moving forward, we just know, um, based on how the concept is set up, uh, with the more and more money we can get, the, the faster it can scale. That's cool, man. I wish you the best of luck, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited. Is there anything you want our audience to know about it? L last, last words? I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, just, uh, you know, we're gonna be, hopefully if everything runs smoothly, um, we're gonna be starting beta in the next month or so. And then uh, based on various funding and, you know, meetings with more municipalities in, in South Florida and potentially say if there's a VC fund that, 
you know, is based somewhere else in Tampa or Jacksonville. They're like, oh, we love this idea. We want this to be in our backyard. Then we can, you know, quickly, you know, move over there. It's about hiring the right people. It's about everyone, you know, believing in the idea and, uh, and, and the, the people will get paid well to do this. We know they're going to be, you know, out on the beach, on, you know, with the sun bearing down on them. And, you know, it's not going to be the easiest job or anything like that. But, you know, we want to provide a service experience that no one else can compare to. So really quick on that, because it just kind of sparked an, another question, which is what always happens, right? <laughs> um, so this concierge, like, you can have one or two people out there and are they there the whole time or is it kind of like they, they come there and check on you and then go away? No, so yeah, so basically um, it depends on your setup and or what time you're coming and everything like that but most likely, say based on you know, 30, 40 setups, whatever we have, we'll probably have one person per five setups. So okay. that, so just like so it's a restaurant, like the same so like, area. It's like yeah. Later. So like we have our main like concierge manager that will be there, uh, working with inventory, making sure all the setups are going properly. Then we'll have the setup team. Then we'll have the actual service people that are actually the ones that are greeting you, taking care of you, grabbing anything else you may need, making sure you're having a good time, and and you know, adding that extra service that uh, we all deserve. Love it. This mm -hmm. is going to be a really cool idea. I cannot wait for this to be executed just so I don't have to drag crap out to the beach anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the app is called Beach Base or will be. It, it, it's called Beach Base. It's called that's, Beach Base. That's final. Yeah. That's final. Um, it's still in still in beta, you said, right? Or It's, it's in beta. Be. I mean, you literally, uh, we're, we're on test flight right now. The app is, like I said, we're, we're close to about, we're 90 to 95 percent done to have a full v1 version out ready to go okay and uh and and that'll be ready very shortly so we can go into beta but like with this i mean you gotta have so many components that make it almost to its like ending the end game for it to like work the way it needs to work like yeah. you know in in this tech world they say you originally you for during beta you reach out you uh you release an mvp which is kind of a you know a dumbed down version of it but we want everyone to get as much of the full experience as they can. So we're kind of, we're going to be kind of releasing a version one. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, say maybe there's an investor out there that's listening, um, you know, custom, you know, future customers, like where can they get more information? Where could they contact you? You know, Oh uh, yeah, they can, uh, email me at Eric E R I K at beachbase B E A C H B A S E dot co. Awesome. Cool, man. Thanks again so much for coming on. This Thank is awesome. I wish you the best me. of luck. This is, this is, <laughs> this is epic. I, I love it. I love the idea. Um, you know, obviously you've already got a long history, uh, yeah. being an entrepreneur. So do you like the term serial entrepreneur? No. I always tell people, I always tell people adding, I'm, like, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Like I like to eat cereal. <laughs> yeah. Adding, adding the word, word serial to anything makes, makes me think of serial killers. We're actually, which I actually do like different shows about them. Dexter is one of my favorite. Don't think any differently of me now or anything like that. But, uh, no, I just, I just like, I just like the entrepreneurship in general. I mean, I respect so many people that are out there grinding every day with the hustle and everything you have to do with it. I mean, you have to have complete confidence and conviction in your idea idea Absolutely. and you have to make people believe in it too otherwise you will fail love it 
Thanks again for coming on, man. Thank you very lot, so much for having me. A lot of fun. And thank you to the team, James Leitner, Sarah Lentz, and to our awesome intern team, Trinity, Gianna, and Noah, for all of your hard work and making this show happen. You guys are all-stars. And podcast fam, remember that you can find the links to all of our incredible sponsors that make this show happen at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. Uh, you can also find the links in the show notes of the episode. So just uh, you know, scroll down, look look down in the description in the show notes, and you can get those links as well. And uh, you know, when you contact our sponsors, be sure to say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, whoa. We'll see you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.